This is the Irish Rally Podcast brought to you in association with Tech and Tools, your dedicated tools provider focusing on diagnostic test equipment and specialised tools. Visit techandtools.ie for more information and SVS Productions. Hello and welcome to The Whole Person, a podcast by the Irish Rally Podcast and it's all about life beyond the stages. I feel very lucky to be here and to be able to combine two of my biggest passions and greatest joys in life, conversation and rally. Rallying is a particular type of sport and the people that love rallying are a very particular type of of people. It doesn't matter if you're a marshal, an organiser or a competitor, the dedication and the passion that this community has is such a powerful thing. And I know that all sports are so passionate and so dedicated, but there's just something particularly intense about rallying and I'm just so curious about it and I want to know more. We're going to hear their stories. Um, from their perspective in their own words and this is something that I am incredibly excited about. Uh, I've chosen and thoughtfully and carefully chosen to not give these people an introduction and not because they don't deserve it because they absolutely do. The achievements and the accomplishments that these people have got behind their names at this point is absolutely incredible but I want to hear their story in their words. I want to hear all the things that they have done and the things that they haven't done and who they are um, from their perspective. I just simply want to thank you for being here and I truly hope that you enjoy listening. So hello to Donna Kelly, Uh, welcome to The Whole Person by the Irish Rally podcast and thank you so much for being here with us today and taking the time to chat. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. This will be a little different, but sure, we'll see. We'll see a wee bit go. different. Uh, we're, we're delighted to have you now, to be fair. Um, now, this most certainly is a rally podcast, for sure. We've spoken about it. Um, but as the name suggests, it's about it's about getting to know you, um, the whole person, you know, and life beyond the stages. Uh, so for that reason, I have decided, you know, thoughtfully decided to not give a formal introduction and to just go down a simpler road. Uh, So with that being said, you know, we'll start with the basics, the early years. Can you tell us a wee bit about your childhood or what a young Donna Kelly was like? Uh, Rather uh, boring, I would have said. Um, I grew up uh, just outside Donegal Town. and uh, my dad was a builder and my mum was a teacher. I was the second of uh, four, two sisters and a brother. Um, and again, I think like any kid growing up in the, the 70s and 80s, we had a brilliant time, you know, and there was no big expectations from uh, life, you know, and no foreign holidays or uh, anything uh, fancy, you know, but uh, great uh, wholesome childhood and, you know, couldn't have wanted for, uh, anything more you know so uh certainly for me we had a a great start in life a great foundation and i suppose with uh, a mum being a teacher pushing us to look after education uh, was always something that 
was first and foremost uh, growing up and with uh, dad being a builder, uh, we spent a lot of time with my brother uh, out on building sites uh, from a very, very early age. So I think we had um, but a good work ethic uh, mm-hmm. and combined with the, uh, I suppose the value of some education. Um, I think that's that gave me certainly a foundation to um, go and get a, a further education. And when I when I left the Abbey Vocational School, uh, I think it was in '89. I went to Bolton Street and I got studied uh, quantity surveying uh, there. And I wasn't a good student at all. I failed my first two years in college. Um, Discovered women and drink all at the same time, and uh, couldn't handle either. Uh, and the, the distractions were, were too great, uh, and cost me a bit of time. But uh, after a while, we got uh, we got the head down and uh, managed to to recover the situation. You know, so so yeah. So I'm a quantity surveyor um, by trade, but never really used it that much. Uh-huh. And I mean, you know, the first thing you said was it was quite boring. Uh, it was the word that kind of stuck out at me. But to be honest with you, the other word was wholesome. And it certainly strikes me as a, a beautiful, um, you know, close-knit family upbringing. And for me, I suppose what I what kind of sticks out for me is, you know, maybe the the sort of the steadiness and the, the focus that um, having a teacher as a parent would give, but also you know, having sort of your eyes opened with a dad as an entrepreneur, but also a builder, you know, that's very dedicated and hardworking. <clears throat> you know, yeah. that obviously set up a beautiful foundation, Donna, in terms of business and rallying. Yeah, I think uh, I think my, my dad certainly had the entrepreneurial spirit and probably just was uh, in the wrong era to have made, let's say, a financial um, gain from that. He, uh, he had a lot of... Uh, uh, wins in many different ways. I suppose um, you know success uh, should never be gauged in terms of uh, a bank balance. You know, so mm-hmm. um, yeah. But uh, I think it certainly gave me a kind of a just a, a bit of a hunger for um, that a business uh, type world. You know, and the whole thing of doing deals and that. And then we had, uh, I suppose, locally we had uh, guys like Joe Kelly uh, who had his. Uh, a garage uh, empire uh, and his hotels and various other businesses that you know as a kid you looked at and you were just intrigued by uh, the success of others and uh, my other cousins had the opal garage uh, next door to us uh, at home as well and you know business was just always something that uh, I was very inquisitive about and mm-hmm. I wanted to know how it worked and how people made money and yeah so it was uh, Something, I don't know, just I think it was naturally in there, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, you said the, the first two years of college were a wee bit tricky um, and there was a wee bit of distraction there. But at the same time, you know, sitting in that kind of formal educational uh, setting, quite difficult whenever you've just laid out all of the hands-on skills that you've just talked about there. Yeah, here, look, I think... Um, Education is, it's great in many ways and in other ways it's, you know, uh, it's its nice to have. Um, we look in our own business at uh, 
people that have come up through the ranks and some have no education, some mm-hmm. may not even have a leave insert and could be the best managers that we have. Um, but I do think, you know, if you have two people of equal um, ability in front of you and one has a qualification, you're more likely to, to run with that person as opposed to the person that doesn't, you know. So, um, yeah, it's a differentiator, uh, I think, but it's not... For me, it's not. It doesn't mean everything, you know. We have some of the most educated in our business as well, and when it comes to common sense, they, they could have a, a fair old gap uh, yeah. in the uh, the toolkit, you know. So, and obviously, that's where you differed, though, because I mean, if you were able to leave the college scenario and become um, what and who you have become, um, even never mind rallying, but in the, in the business world alone, you know, like common sense is a very very important thing yeah it's not that common uh, (laughs) it um yeah people who can just uh, think uh, logically about different scenarios and that and um so i I probably find the biggest challenge in business is uh, egos Mm -hmm. uh people that can't get out of their own way uh you know and things not progressing because people have big egos and can't see beyond their own uh, limitations you know yeah. and uh, i think that's um that's such a big challenge when you're yeah. in a business you know and you always have to try and find new talent new ability uh, to reinforce uh, your capability you know and mm-hmm. sometimes getting people to to move sideways to let others up sometimes can be very, very painful, you know. So, yeah. And yeah. have you ever figured that out? Have you ever figured out how to get through the difficult egos? It's, it's, a, it's part of management, you know, and it's the art of uh, management trying to manage people. Um, you know, there isn't any set formula, you know, and uh, some people... Um, need to be at times moved you know if you if you have somebody in a, in a role uh, and they're not fit for the role that's your fault that's not their fault yeah. um you know and uh, if you don't have a suitable role for them in your business well then you need to move them on out of your business yeah. because it's not good for them and it's not good for you yeah, it no. creates frustration uh, for both parties you know so I, I i learned that pretty quick you know and a bit of advice i was given years ago is when you have a situation like that, be generous, mm-hmm. write a good big check, and let somebody out of your business with their uh, dignity and uh, I suppose uh, their head held high, uh, yeah. and let them on to something else, and look to see can you replace them. And at times it could take you two or three goals to get the right person. Leaving the wrong person in a position that is definitely fatal. That's yeah. that's an own goal. Uh-huh. And I mean, obviously, it's one of those things that to have an awareness of the ego at all is is quite a big thing. I would I would imagine in any industry, um, but when you're at the top of the game, whether again, whether it be rallying or business, like to be aware of ego um, means to be aware of your own. And so, you must obviously have a very um, acute awareness of your own strengths and weaknesses as well. Yeah, you're asking if I got a big ego. <laughs> no, I'm kind of asking how we all, well, I, you know, I think anybody that rallies must have an ego or a belief in themselves that is so much different to yeah, well, um, the ordinary I, person. So, yeah, I think, you know, that, 
you have to learn to control it at some point. Um, it, it is your friend because it's the thing that gets you to be able to do things um, that I suppose other people around you haven't done or can't do. But you absolutely have to be able to learn to control it at some point in your life. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, ego, some people, when you even use the word ego, people get hijacked to say, yeah. oh, I don't have an ego. But you're right. You, your ego is important because you actually you have to care about yourself. You have to have mm -hmm. some pride in yourself. You have to have uh, uh, some um, way of, uh, I suppose, rewarding yourself uh, for achieving something, you know. And uh, I would say, you know, that it's always important to have an ego. If you need a billboard at the end of the street to tell everybody how great you are, that's a problem. That's, that's when, when your ego becomes uh, so much of a driver. Mm -hmm. uh, that it, it overtakes you, you know. So, and we do see some people that the ego is more important than anything. Uh, I think, you know, in um, in work, I would like to think it doesn't always happen, but that everybody has equal status, irrespective of pay grade, terms and conditions, or the size of the car they drive. Um, you know, and uh, having that approach where everybody is equal. Um, in the truest sense, everybody has the same, um, I suppose, Important right uh, to um, respect and all those um, basic needs uh, that just because you're the boss, you, you don't deserve it to be treated any different to the janitor. Uh, mm -hmm. You can't, you know, and so for me, um, yeah, your ego is important, um, yeah. but not when it ranks above. Uh, some of those uh, basic needs of you know respect humility etc you know they're they're key mm -hmm. and it's funny like it's to echo that as well where um when i've i've been in therapy for years now i find it's kind of one of the most interesting and satisfying things i've ever done you know and when i went first i had i had an awful lot of kind of shame about my ego you know because it, i was i was finished rallying i suppose at that point maybe a couple of years and I remember saying to my therapist, like, I have to get rid of this ego. Like, it's just it's pushing me in ways that I, you know, I, you know, I don't, I, I can't settle because of my ego. And um, always remember, I'm pointing out, he was like, you know, Tony, an ego always needs to be tamed, and you need to be aware of it, and it can't control you. Yes, but you also have to be. Um, now I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, you know, you also have to be grateful for your ego because it is the thing. That, that pushes you to do things that others haven't done before. You know, that strong belief in yourself yeah, yeah. or the project or the thing that you're doing. Um, and so the ego is very, very um, helpful, but it's when I suppose it gets in the way. Like, um, and in terms of rallying, you know, to be able to, to be able to rally, I think there has to be an ego there of some description. Yeah. Um... I was uh, laughing. I was doing a talk in one of our offices in Scotland one day and mentioned about egos and somebody piped up and said, there's no egos here. I said, we look out the window, look at our car park. I said, every second car has got a personalized registration on it. Um, I said, so you either uh, forget where you park your car and you need some kind of a reminder that that is your car or else you're actually happy to tell people this is my car. And I said, that is a small celebration of what you've achieved, the fact that you, you know, drive a nice car and you're happy to have your personalized plate on it. I said, there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to celebrate. 
uh, for sure. You know, I said, but we all need to have a bit of an ego, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, it's something that um, gives you purpose, you know, it's something that it's an identity uh, as well as a, as a driver, you know, so mm -hmm. I think it's, it's hugely important, but like you say, you have to tame it. It can't yeah. be, if, if you feel that, you know, you are the man, uh, you're definitely not. And if you feel you have arrived, you've left, yeah. you know, it's, you're never there, you know, so um, we can't, uh, we can't let it, let it overtake us ever. Exactly. Never a truer word spoken. And so if we go back to the college years then, and you know, going back over childhood and stuff, Donna, where did rallying come into it for you? How did you get involved in the sport in the first place? Well, I, I do uh, tell the story about watching the, the 78 uh, Donegal rally up at Killymard uh, Chapel. Yeah, <laughs> and that was my first, uh, first rally uh, where it was very local. Uh, and I went there with um, my uncle, and I think my dad was there. Um, and obviously, it was Ari Vatnan, uh, was the uh, the hero uh, of the moment uh, back then. And I suppose I was just absolutely mesmerised. I was uh, in awe of this. And uh, my dad used to take us uh, to the Donegal Rally um, every year, and that was that was our annual trip because there was no rallying in the house. My dad had no interest in rallying. Yeah. He was into uh, traditional Irish music uh, and uh, used to get to go on the Sunday. Uh, and I also remember in 83 when Vincent uh, won the rally, we were down the Port Road and my father was speaking to him and I couldn't believe my dad knew Vincent Bonner. It was like he might as well have been speaking to the Pope, you know, <laughs> and I thought this was just unreal. Uh, so, and those, I suppose those um, memories, um, just lit this fire that was going to be there for forever, you know. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and I suppose with the fact that we we didn't grow up in, in a a rallying household, and that we're probably limited a little bit as to the exposure. Um, my brother was equally as uh, crazy about rallying, and I suppose when we got to. Uh, get on the road ourselves uh, and go and spectate in more and more rallies that uh, there the whole desire of getting to compete in a a rally would uh, yeah, start to become more and more a kind of a reality and um we had old cars and we used to run around fields and all that type of stuff mm -hmm. that most uh, kids uh, did uh, back then and uh, i was very late i was 24 years of age before I, I got into a rally car because I just didn't have the money. I didn't have yeah. the means to go rallying. And uh, I actually borrowed I borrowed the money to buy my first rally car. And it was only two and a half grand, but I didn't have it. So I had to borrow it. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, that initial couple of years, it was really a learning process. I done my first rally on road tires wow. in a, a Vauxhall Nova. Yeah, and this guy said to me in service, what, what was I at? And he gave me, he gave me two old uh, TB15s to put on the front of the car. And uh, it was like a Mark II escort for the rest of the event, the back of it sliding around, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's so... And to get to the rally, and I came back uh, from Scotland in 96 to do Donegal. Uh, it was my first... Uh, Donegal Rally, it was the 25th anniversary, I think, back then. And uh, yeah, what, what you couldn't 
describe just that feeling like it's just yeah. every dream it's just you were just like a kid yeah you, you just every moment from the recce right through the whole way it was just like my god you uh -huh. know and uh, so and you know to, to get that opportunity you know probably i was lost on me then as much as i was enjoying it to that level um you know it, it was a huge thing but later on when i suppose when i had some success in business and i could go rallying at the top level because i never in my wildest dreams ever thought that i would get to compete at that level in the country yeah. and i never thought i never thought that i would win uh, rallies it, it's you know it just never really registered but when i did start to compete uh, at that level uh, and you know when you started to win some of the internationals and the likes the guy was so so grateful uh you know it's just to get that opportunity in life because not everybody does and there's far far better drivers than me out there that if they were given the opportunity they would have huge success you know so to get that opportunity uh yeah. it's just like you're the luckiest guy in the world you know and really really living it and, uh, and loving it some people would say to me do you not miss when you're back in the the novas and the club mondays and all that not a chance <laughs> to, be to, to be able to drive a world rally car uh, on the greatest stages in ireland mm -hmm. it doesn't get better than that you know yeah. um you know i got more enjoyment out of driving in the uh the likes of the world car and that's than i ever got in an over it was not it was great fun yeah but just to be out the front and yeah yeah it's just like this class you know so uh from starting yeah, in an over the, the whole way through um it's i suppose i would have said i could have achieved a lot more in rallying if i was that bothered about it as much as i loved it it wasn't uh, it wasn't life or death for me mm -hmm. i would never put um a whole lot on the line uh, to get to go rally and I, I think in the my early days yeah certainly i probably had borrowed a couple of quid and that but it was never dramatic it was never mm. you know that you couldn't pay the mortgage because you spent it all on rallying but um certainly uh there was many a car sold at times you know when the business needed some money or whatever yeah. you know so it never it was never a big enough driver for me uh to forfeit uh i suppose business and the likes you know so yeah. um i always thought i could have uh if i'd have been at the top level in my 30s i think i could have won a lot more but like i didn't get it into a world car closing in my early 40s know. Yeah, yeah. and it's one of those things isn't it where I often wonder, this is what I do wonder with rallying, that I, I feel like there, it's very, very hard to get the middle ground with it and it has to be one or the other. And so if you did go hell for leather in your 20s or your 30s at rallying, do you think your business would have gone where it went? Probably not. Um, you know, it's, when you grow a business, um, it, it takes everything, you know. And for me, um, it's never a choice because you know i was always focused uh, on uh, on the business side you know and um rallying fitted in 
um, when it when it could, you know. And um, yeah, for for me, if my business was struggling, I, I couldn't get my head into rallying anyway, you know. So uh, the business always took a priority, and you know, I, I look at it and I see some people that really push themselves and maybe overextend themselves in terms of uh, getting rallying. You know, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Nobody's going to really, really remember you for your rallying achievements. You know, they, they won't. Uh, so I would say, you know, be careful just how much you push yeah. uh, the, the rallying dream because there's not a whole lot at the end of it apart from yeah. great memories. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, particularly in Ireland, and I think, to be honest with you, in most countries in the world, but like particularly um, where we are, you know, we have the, some of the best rallies and stages in the world, and we have such an unbelievable um, cohort of people and cars and stuff. But um, as you say, there's not much there. Like, it's not like other sports where you get, you know, money at the end of it and you can kind of keep building. There's very yeah, yeah. little. I mean, there's a few awards out there for sure. Um, you know things like the billy coleman and stuff but like it's very few people can get their hands on that stuff so yeah, yes yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a funny uh, sport in tough, that way tough sport but motorsport um really has always been like that you know it's um it's a sport for kings in one sense at the top level you know you, you really do have to have uh, the stars aligned uh, to yeah. get to the top you know when you look at the world rally championship there's probably I don't know, seven, eight drivers that are paid uh, to do what they do uh, and everybody else is trying to get their jobs uh, so they can get paid, you know, and yeah. that's that's tough, you know. Um, yeah. You know, so I, it's, a, it's a great sport and I think it's very, very healthy in Ireland and um, we are in a very, very uh, fortunate position compared to some other countries. If mm -hmm. you look at rallying in the UK compared to Ireland, like we are just like years ahead in yeah. terms of the events, the interest, uh, with John Coyne and the, uh, the Rally Academy now. Yeah. The work they are doing is unreal. Uh, and we've been pushing the guys to, to try and maybe educate the wider rallying community just about how much work they do. And I think yeah. if we look at last weekend's uh, J1000 series in Killarney, huge entry, huge entry. And that's uh, what we need to be concentrating on. And I suppose in one sense, they are, they are the... Uh, um the cohort that need the promotion yeah. they're the guys that need to be on the podcast they're the yeah. guys that need to be talking about their ambition their yeah. uh, dreams for the future you know um uh -huh. you know and uh yeah so we're, we're lucky in ireland but at the same time we have to be realistic mm -hmm. you know you have to be realistic about just how far you want to push it because yeah. there's a it's a long road to the top and it's very very costly if you want to get there and yeah, yeah. but that's not to say that uh, people shouldn't have a dream either because yeah, somebody, has, somebody has to get there mm -hmm. but i think you have you just have to be realistic and i mean when you talk about um you know the motorsport ireland academy and stuff like that now do you feel that that is particularly you know uh, close to your heart because you know, say for somebody like you who didn't have a direct path into rallying, you didn't grow up with it um, per se, you know, you went to one event a year um, that kind of half of the county went to. So there was no, it would have been very difficult for you to take the steps um, and it took a long time for you probably to be able to afford to kind of get the help that was needed or whatever. So do you think, you know, 
are you sort of drawn to the likes of the MI Academy? Because it's one of those things where the earlier you can get that knowledge, the earlier you can get that information and help, the easier and better it can be. Yeah, I think it's, um, there's a lot of different facades. You know, if you look at the likes of the J1000, you're getting uh, guys in it, or guys or girls in it at a very, very young age to be able to compete. Uh, you know, so you're building this foundation because if you look at uh, the likes of any sport, any sport, they talk about the, the 10,000 hours, you know, you, you need a minimum of 10,000 hours of doing something to be, to be able to do it good. Um, and if you look at guys at the top, like Sakali Robinpera, you know, he was driving cars when he was very, very young, um, same with Oliver Selberg, etc. The earlier you start, um, the more likely you are uh, to be successful. Um, and you can't buy years. You can't, no. you know, guy starts at 14, the guy starts at 20. Well, that's six years. You, you can't buy that. That's, you know, and mm -hmm. obviously at a younger age, you learn quicker, you, you're, you're more adaptable, you know, and I think it's creating that pathway is one part. But then uh, the academy itself, even for the more mature drivers, um, like my own son, Eamon, that, that are involved in it, like they are getting so much attention in around, you know, fitness, nutrition, uh, uh, even the coaching, mental resilience, and, you know, all those elements that you need when you mm -hmm. compete at a high level. You know, so I think what, what the academy will do, it will lift the standard of rallying. Yeah. in the country itself but it will allow those few that get the opportunity to compete at an international level so mm -hmm. i think it's huge work and you know john coin has to be commended for what he's doing because Absolutely. you know he, he is the guy that is not alone as he put in uh, money into this he is putting so much time passion and energy mm -hmm. into it uh, along with uh, the wider team sean McHugh, etc yeah. Um, the, the guys are, are really doing a stellar job, you know, and they are the envy of uh, many other countries. Absolutely. And I mean, for me, what you've just been talking about strikes me as the most important thing. You know, you said that um, you mentioned that, like, there's not that far you can go when it comes to rally. You know, th there is an end point, you know, whether it be winning your, your favorite rally or, you know, winning a championship or whatever. But it's the likes of this work that is your legacy that's what's the important thing what can i do to pass on and to share what i have learned to the younger generation that maybe will be able to change the sport for the better in different ways yeah and um i suppose in my own um regard or in my own sense i, I built the, the museum here in donegal um, over the last uh, few years we we've been collecting uh, for a long long time but Part of the whole um, thing of having some of these iconic cars and that, because I'm not, I'm not a dealer. I don't buy and sell cars to make money. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it is really a passion. And for me, it's about telling a story. It's about telling a story of, of rallying and the history of rallying. And uh, to create that, um, I suppose, I, don't, I wouldn't refer to it as legacy, but you, you're creating that uh, kind of bookmark, you know, or this... Uh, kind of um, library uh, where people can come and experience what happened, you know, uh, 50 years ago, uh, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, all the different eras. Uh, and you get some 
fun out of watching, especially some of the older guys, hunting through programs, trying to find themselves in entry lists from 40 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and been delighted and showing everybody and you yeah. know or finding themselves on a photograph on the wall or whatever and uh, you know so for me it's about kind of preserving uh, the past but also keep building the story yeah. from decade to decade so that it'll be there for, for the future you know and uh, I think it's really really important to to try and capture uh, that and that we don't lose it and that's a little bit of an argument that we're having at the moment um, around the whole thing of streaming uh, and you know when we all waited for our pm on a thursday night uh, at half 11 whatever for yeah uh, years uh, and then obviously uh, to to mcbracken etc we're moving now more to the digital era you know mm-hmm. everybody wants to watch something real time mm-hmm. but that's it it's gone yeah. you know it's gone we, we yeah. you know but if we want to capture those memories we, we must look uh, at preserving that you know i have a little bit of a debate at the moment how are we going to do that we need to do a little better than we're doing i think um because if you look at a also um a streaming service the only people that will look at a streaming service are those who want to look at it yeah now if you have a program on tv half the households in ireland will see it just by default yeah and some will choose to to continue to watch it Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to um switch over there to the next channel. Whereas yeah. those who want to watch a rally live, whether it be Killian Duffy or Christopher Highlands company or whatever, if um, you want to watch it, you tune in. Mm-hmm. That's your audience. You really limit your audience, yeah. but you don't uh, capture uh, those uh, events for the future because yeah. um, I bought the, um, the RPM backlog and mm-hmm. it's great. They put them out on a regular basis uh, for viewing. There won't be a backlog um, from this era. Uh-huh. There'll be nowhere unless somebody wants to hunt through uh, YouTube uh, and try and find yeah, some. Yeah. You know. Uh, so I think there's little bits like that too that we just need to tune into and, and think about uh, yeah. the future. You know. Well, it's all there. Like, and I mean, I think you know you're making a great point in in the sense that to have a physical database of um of all of these events and all of this competition and all of these moments in people's lives is a very very important thing and to be able to do it um well is a great thing like you know um there's no doubt about it i mean i think there's not um there's not one person in the country that kind of wouldn't recognize plum tindall's voice in some way and it's just one of those things where it's such it's such a hard time technology wise to you know make sure that you're you're moving fast enough for what what people want but at the same time preserving the history of things as well as you say like and it's just it all has to be done and thought about so intricately and carefully yeah yeah there's um there's a balance in it but you know i, I suppose um that's where we, we've got just to um be mindful you know mm-hmm. that you will have everything up uh, to the um i suppose the the kind of the mid uh 2015 2016 all caught and since that then you're starting to go into this more live world where it's great um but i would like to see how we capture some of that content 
yeah. uh, so that it's there for the future, you know, so. And be able to do both. And I mean, obviously, you know, you're speaking so passionately about it, but that's that, that clearly is the drive behind the museum and the purpose of having Stables Museum there. Yeah, look here, I get I get such a buzz out of it. Um, and it's become, it really has become a bit of a, a talking point. Um, you know, I was in Sweden with uh, Eamon a couple of weeks ago, and th there's not a team uh, on the World Rally uh, calendar or championship that don't know about it at this stage, you know. And we were, uh, were hoping that uh, uh, the Toyota guys were going to come over uh, in a couple of weeks uh, for a few days um, because they're interested. They're interested in... Yeah. Uh, the whole concept but what you find with all these guys uh at the in the world rally championship they're all petrol heads they're yeah, all that's the same as, as everybody else they're just mm -hmm. are lucky that are getting paid to drive the cars you know and uh <laughs> but they're all petrol heads um at heart you know and are really really uh, interested in uh what you've done you know and uh so and widening that out uh, uh, for me is is important. I've actually uh, sponsored the Donegal Ladies team uh, under the stables, uh, a kind of brand uh, for the next couple of years. And uh, I have had uh, some schools here. And when we run days, uh, we get some of the local football teams and that to do a bit of marshalling and that, and they gather a few pounds for their own mm -hmm. uh, clubs and that. You know, and it's it's a community type approach as well, but mm -hmm. also. Uh, it is kind of uh, capturing um, just the essence of rallying because yeah. you could easily lose it, you know. And yeah. I talk about uh, the likes of the Circuit of Ireland, you know, what one of the most oldest, one of the most iconic events uh, in rallying history, and it's gone. You know, it's yeah. not a Circuit of Ireland it's anymore. We look at the uh, the RAC Rally in the UK, which became Rally GB. Uh, mm -hmm. It's gone. You know, yeah, yeah. and they would possibly struggle to, to get a world rally back in the UK. So you have to preserve uh, the sport if the most iconic events in the world can disappear. That yeah. tells you uh, what can happen, you know, and if the UK don't really put some energy into the rally and uh, over the, the coming years, uh, they could also uh, have a tough uh, challenge, you know. So I think it's it's really important that um, we do that, and also, you know, to try and bring fresh um, faces to the, uh, yeah. the sport, you know, because we lack uh, a lot of uh, youth uh, from an organization point of view. Mm -hmm. um, we have um, plenty who want to compete, but we need a lot of support to allow people to compete. Uh, but we've got to make it interesting. Yeah, you know, exactly we've got to make it interesting uh, for people. Um, and that goes back then to maybe a point in, in the business side, you know, where we talk about this thing of, um, you know, respect uh, that everybody in the sport understands um, the interdependencies we have on each other. And that is, yeah. we need marshals, we need timekeepers, we need rescue services, we need all these, but we also need competitors. And we need their entry fees, and we, mm -hmm. and we need the community. And when you when you bring the thing together, and you go back to that core, uh, I suppose uh, belief, everybody's equal. Just yes. because you're a competitor or uh, a marshal, we're all equal. Yeah. You know, and I think uh, at times uh, some of the uh, supporters or some of the kind of volunteers get a little bit frustrated that um, yeah. we we don't seem to show them. 
the level of respect that they do deserve, you know. Yeah. So, um, and then we get it back sometimes the other way where some of the uh, organizers and officials may not respect the competitors and that. And just everybody needs to have a kind of a, a common uh, a kind of code where, you know, yeah. that's the most basic um, need in any walk of life. Yeah. Uh, you know. I think so. I mean, I think that is the most basic, um, the most basic of, you know, bottles a person should have is that, you know, there's no, um, there's no job or role that is any less or any more important than the other because without one, the other doesn't work. Absolutely. You know, and without each of those individuals doing their job to the best of their ability the whole thing could fall apart very easily um and as you say it just needs to be recognized like and i think to be fair i think that is starting to happen a little bit more like i think that you know competitors deserve glory of course um but i think they're in the last couple of years i feel it anyway like there's that there's been a big awareness brought around to the fact that like not all the glory should be going to competitors um solely yes competitors deserve um glory and kudos for the dedication that that they put in but like as you say like you know if, if you go to any stage before it runs on a day like especially if it's the first stage of the day like you will have people on that stage from all hours of the night out getting it ready taping it putting bales up you know um rallies are being organized for months before the actual event takes place and stuff so it's it is vital that every person gets their moment of gratitude, essentially, and as you say, respect. Yeah, yeah, it's it is. It's not just that. Because when you hear people shouting at each other and all that, yeah. it's a little bit disheartening, you know. But and that there is challenges in every sport. You, you see yeah. all the various campaigns that are run, whether it is, you know, I suppose um, racial inequality and the likes being stamped out, you know, and. Mm -hmm. All these things, um, they're important, you know, and yeah. uh, we, we've got to we've got to play our uh, part in upping the standards, you know, mm -hmm. just not allowing it to happen, you know, yeah. and chastising those who um, kind of step outside the, the boundaries, you know, and just say that's not good enough, you know, and yeah. uh, when you have a, a common code that everybody buys into, well, those who step outside it look a little bit daft, you know, so. Mm -hmm exactly and to go back to um to go back to stables again i mean to be able to do such magnificent work in the middle of donegal um and to have such an unbelievable quality of of machinery there and you know such a professional outfit um as a whole to do that in the middle of Donegal um, is just so incredible. And it obviously speaks to your love of the county and your sort of love of home. And probably even the event that sort of sparked it all whenever you were a young boy outside Killymard. Yeah, I suppose it's, um, it was a bit surreal really to, to have Ari come over to, to open it for me. And uh, the fact that, um, you know, when I went back to uh, my childhood, um, he, he was a big name. Uh, I didn't even know what he looked like. So, um, yeah, and that's I, I suppose they're, they're the the bits of this whole um, journey of life that you, you pinch yourself sometimes. You know, when you go, "Jesus, is, is this really happening?" You know. So, 
Um, so yeah, very, very fortunate. And uh, um, yeah, it's, it's just been, it's just been a real honor to be able to do it, you know, and then to, to be able to get the, uh, the various memorabilia and the cars and all the stuff that, that makes it uh, what it is. And, and we're not finished, you know, I don't think we'll ever be finished. We're, we're always thinking of the next uh, phase um, of um, the story and the, yeah. the whole project. And it's become a bit of a, let say like a, a, f a focal point uh, for, for many uh, events and, um, you know, gatherings and, there's lots of people coming all the time and we do our best to, to facilitate um, when we can. And yeah. people keep asking, would I open it to the, the public? And right now, no, because I think there's a sense of intrigue. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that you either have to be invited or asked or get uh, you're there some way, whether it's an yeah. open day or whatever. So it makes it a little bit more, um, more special and yeah, um, you know and again we do we do our best to uh, have as many open days as we can and then if the people come in every weekend you know and uh, we'll always try and find somebody uh, to uh, to open up um but i do think that it's it's a little bit more uh, interesting like that and yeah we try our best to keep as much of it off social media because yeah. again, it's not about, everybody knows about all the cars and that, mm. you know, it, it's not that I don't want people to know, but I want it to be special for those who arrive yeah. uh, and don't know what to expect yeah. or don't. And yeah. a lot of people get such a, a wow factor, especially yeah. when they go into the main hall. It's like, Jesus, this is unreal. Uh, you know, and that's, that's what you want to create, you know, so it's not a case of somebody just wanting to come uh, to do again some form of podcast but wanted to record all the cars and i said absolutely not I said, yeah. that's, you know you're you're removing uh you know the, the whole intrigue you know so yeah. uh, i think as well don't know what makes it so special is the fact that you don't see it everywhere and um you can't just hop onto instagram or wherever and see a pile of pictures like because it takes away the magic like there's there's such a special thing to actually walking into a room and being there real life and seeing and feeling and smelling and like literally having every texture of the story that is right in front of you like it's that's yeah. totally different than scrolling through instagram or facebook yeah yeah it. and you know there's so many yeah, that have been there and said you know some see nothing but cars and others see everything bar the cars yeah. you know and you really would need you need days. You would yeah, need yeah. days to go through everything that's there. There are boxes and boxes and drawers and drawers of photographs and programs and results and you know and there's yeah. videos and research and you know there's just so much stuff. There's thousands of photographs and you know so it really would take uh, time. You know when people are in for uh, an open day when it's busy, sometimes they. They don't get that. So we've had various uh, diehards who have come and spent their own quiet time there going through yeah. everything, you know. And the, the one thing I'd say to you about the, the hardcore rally fan, you trust them. Absolutely. You trust them yeah. that, you know, you leave them in there on their own and you wouldn't be worried about are they going to take something, you know. Um, so 
that's uh, that's the other thing that's nice about having it kind of more for the the fan as opposed to the general public. You know, yeah. you don't have to worry. I don't worry about people uh, taking something from a yeah. display or anything. You know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's such a. I've spoken about this many times before, like, but particularly with this podcast, you know, I feel like there's there is a difference between you know a normal person and um a rally person whether it be a competitor a fan organizer you know part of any team that makes a rally happen like genuinely like i feel like people that are rally people are just a different breed it's 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 like not that i have never been able to describe it before and that is kind of actually the whole idea of this podcast is to try and try and figure out the minds of these people you know um to figure out the minds of all of us because it's such a powerful sport you know and as you say like the trust that you would have with a rally fan like it we are all it doesn't matter where you are when you go to an event when you meet you know people that you know are rally people like um there's just such a different feeling it's just there's such a camaraderie within the sport that's unbelievable and majority of the time there actually is a great feeling of everybody is on the same level and everybody does kind of respect each other on the whole maybe not every single part of it but most of the way through that camaraderie and level of respect is there yeah you know and i think you know there's always been different um i would say uh, rivalries over the years and mm -hmm. different uh, battles etc uh but after the racing was done i think generally um, and yeah. there was lots of friendships uh, yeah. that weren't seen uh, on the exactly. stages but uh, absolutely existed off the stages you know and uh, i think um yeah the sport nobody would ever want to to win um i suppose uh in the incorrect manner i'm not yeah. saying that uh, people didn't bend rules or mm -hmm. um have some bit of color in their uh, events in the past um but they also got a part of the fun too you know but uh, <laughs> at the same time i think that uh, you know there was uh, there was good honesty uh, in nearly every competition you know and um that uh, yeah it can't be said for for all sports but i certainly think rallying uh, has uh, a relatively level playing field in that regard you know and, yeah. and you know, it is a beautiful thing to see and be a part of yeah here look it's it just it does become part it's part of your dna it becomes mm. part of your life and yeah it's um yeah it, it's it's a little expensive um but it certainly uh it certainly has its rewards um so Absolutely. but then there's a lot of sports i suppose you have also involved in supporting the ga and the likes uh the dedication commitment that we get from uh our uh, county players and the likes, you know, whether it's the, the ladies or, or the uh, the men's uh, football in hurling, the likes, Jeez, these, these uh, athletes lay down the best part of 15 years of their lives uh, for their country and that there again, that's, a, that's another breed. Um, and again, that's huge commitment uh, as well. They, they may not have the, the financial c commitment of spending money, they have huge financial sacrifices in terms of put in careers and hold etc etc mm -hmm. to to maintain um you know a, a, a sporting dream and 
uh, generally driven to by the, the love of their their county you know so yeah. it's um yeah yeah rallying is is very very unique um yeah. so and have you have you been able to figure out how rallying has impacted your life i mean you mentioned friendships there and obviously you've had some incredible successes whether it be the group ncar or the wrc days when you know you won both championships in the one year and stuff like those are all huge moments but are there you know have you ever been able to figure out on the whole how rallying has impacted your life i don't know i, I suppose it's um when you uh when you live a dream yeah i suppose you feel extremely um fortunate you know it's you really do you're living a dream you're yeah. living something that you dreamed about as a kid and then you get to live it so uh -huh. you feel just yeah uh back that you feel the luckiest guy in the world yeah um do you feel like you carry that we um I, can't, I don't know what age you were but you know that we version of donna that was with you in 1979 i keep going back to kelly mar but that first moment that the fire was lit inside of you do you think he's always there whether you're well, I think the, the, or yourself or i think the memory's always there you know um yeah definitely I, the, the memory is um there forever um and uh yeah it was this the spark you in, in your life you'll always have these um moments um these indelible uh, moments that will always be there and that's that's one uh, of mine you know so uh, my mother forcing me to eat turnips one day uh, is another one so <laughs> a little bit different um you shaped know, you, i'm uh, sure though it shaped you into uh, some version of what you are shaped now. me all right i hate turnips still ever since <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but then, um, yeah, it, and it, I suppose it, it gives um, an element of identity, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I suppose in my business um, world, uh, most people would know that I rally, um, you know, so um, it has created an element of identity, but well, most people think you're crazy that you do rally, um, they don't uh, understand um, the desire to uh, hurtle down a road uh, at what they see as being uh, extremely dangerous. You know, and I think yeah. that's another thing about rally drivers. We none of us think that it's actually dangerous. Um, we we <laughs> understand. <laughs> we understand the danger. Mm -hmm. We don't think it's dangerous, you know, and no. um, and we've you know we've all been uh, close to those that. Uh, have had bad injuries um, and unfortunate for those that um, have lost their lives to the sport. And um, I was extremely lucky uh, in 2000. Uh, I nearly killed myself uh, in the Harvest Rally. Um, um, and really, really lucky to uh, to survive it. But um, I wasn't bothered. I always wondered how soon would I get back into the car to get driving again? Because, you know, it's, it didn't really bother me there's an inconvenience um you know and yeah so you you do think a little bit different and mm -hmm. people would say to me about Eamon rallying would i not worry uh, about him getting hurt and i say i much prefer him to live his life and live the dream than to sit at home wondering what it would have been like yeah you know Absolutely. and uh, as much as i certainly don't want him to get hurt um 
I, sh- I wouldn't want him not to be out there doing it, you know, and and he really is living the dream, you know, he's he's doing stuff that I only wish uh, I could have done, you know, but, uh, and maybe that gives me a, a second, um, a second run at the whole enjoyment again, you know. Well, that's and, what I was going to ask you, do you think, does that give you more joy than your own achievements ever could have to see what you've been able to do for him? Yeah, here, look, uh, I think, uh, again, uh, we're very fortunate uh, they can do it. Um, I don't know. I've I really enjoyed uh, what I've done. Uh, obviously, the the, um, the local rally, the Donegal rally, is one that has escaped me. Um, and maybe that's just the way it's to be. Um, yeah. You know, I was close a few times, and uh, I thought that... You know, even in the, the current cars that maybe I'd have a go again then with COVID and I kind of stopped uh, rallying and just never, never really got back at it. And mm-hmm. uh, But I definitely, I believe that Eamon will definitely win the rally yeah. in his time. You know, is I've that no, how you no doubt. settle any sort of, um, I don't know, or, or can you ever settle a desire to win the Donegal rally? Inside, like, probably not now because I, I'm certainly not uh, fast enough anymore. Um, maybe if nobody else took part and they drove around, uh, <laughs> but that would be that would be a hollow victory. Um, probably here, it's not one that I'll ever satisfy now. Um, you know what? I think what you have to realize um, it's not going to be life defining either, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe you'd be better to be defined with the guy that didn't win it that maybe could have won it. Um, you know, and will we remember in 20 years all the people who won it? No, we won't. You know, so does it really matter? Uh, maybe it matters to me, but it doesn't really matter to anybody else. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, a bit like the Rolling Stones song, you can't always get what you want, no. you know. So, but you absolutely uh, get what you need. <laughs> yeah, and that's look here. We've, um, if I had gone back uh, to that young boy, in 1978, would I ever have thought I'd done what I'd done? Never in a million years. Would I have thought it when I was 18? Not 28, never. You know, like, so yeah. I've got way more than I ever thought um, I would have or I even uh-huh. deserved. So, you know, you have to be, uh, you have to be somewhat uh, content. And what do you think your life could have looked like or would have looked like if you didn't rally, Donna? It's, it's, it's hard to... Uh, it's hard to say. I don't know. I always think that um, I always have to be doing something. I always have to have something on the go, whether, you know, it's a project. Um, like, I'm always doing something, I'm always building something, doing something. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I like, I just, I like, pushing myself at times. Um, there's lots of things I'd like uh, to get time to do, but... So I don't really know. I would be doing something. I think I'd always be doing something kind of extreme, you know, yes. whether it be, you know, I love you know, water sports. Uh, you know, I obviously love flying a helicopter. I love doing, you know, I was out my mountain bike one day. I was on my Strava to see you know, how fast could I get my mountain bike, you know, and I yeah. got to 90 something kilometers an hour on it, you know. And, Somebody said that wasn't uh, the smartest thing to do, you know, but for me it was, yeah, felt good about that. The best <laughs> way to be on a mountain bike, yeah. You know, but it's, 
yeah, I, I think I would have always been doing something, but oh. here I think Donegal, yeah, we're lucky. Um, we have this huge rally and um, kind of community. Okay. Uh, and I even see where I live here in um, process. Uh, the amount of rallying even in our parish. You know, when, when I was growing up, Joe McHugh was the local rally driver. Now his yeah. nephew Ryan is rallying and mm -hmm. Neil is prepping rally cars. There's mm -hmm. Daniel Bresson up the road and Daniel McKenna. And there is a raft of guys rolling yeah. up. So there's so many people here just locally within uh, a mile uh, up here that are rallying, you know. So there's it's a this, way of life, isn't it? Yeah, there's, you know, when you're here at night, sometimes you hear somebody test the car up the road and, you know, it's and I, it is it is it's it's such a, a brilliant county to be in. Um, like we go, we took Jimmy McRae and Alistair and Young Max up locally here to do the test uh, before Donegal last year. Yeah, uh, and a kind of a local area where, where we test the car, and I always phone ahead to say you know where we and where it's always no problem at all. Yeah, and it's not a we come up through some houses and that so people just stay in whilst we're, we're there um the guys were saying is this like are we allowed to do this and i said yeah it's all covered don't worry about it and then out tea coffee yeah. buns sandwiches and they're kind of going jesus this is unreal yeah. you know and you have this you know local people yeah. that are welcoming you to cause a bit of mayhem for a couple of hours and, <laughs> and looking after you and yeah. making you feel like you're entitled to drive up and down this road uh, and we want you to drive up and down the road and you know it wouldn't happen like in, uh, in too many other counties it really it's it's that's how special it is you know it and, truly truly is a special place for rallying like well it's a special place anyway but i think with rallying it's just it genuinely is the most special we hope in the world like um but one of the things that you know still is intriguing me donna is is what you said at the, at the beginning um of our chat when you mentioned your childhood and uh, because the, you know the word boring just does not seem to fit with you or the rest of your life in any way shape or form like it's when you think back now and you talk about your life in this way like it's far from boring yeah but you know i think you know, as a kid uh, growing up, you know, when you're in, say, national school and then secondary school, and that I was nothing special. I wasn't um, the popular kid or anything like that, you know. Yeah. So I was, you know, I was a very, very uh, unassuming, ordinary uh, chap, you know. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't as if I was uh, the kingpin or the cornerstone or, or the man. You know, yeah. so I, I wasn't, you know, so I, I look back and I don't say boring in the sense that, um, you know, I was uh, insignificant, but I wasn't. Yeah, you know, yeah. Nobody would have marked me out, oh, here, he's going to be this, that or the other. I yeah, wasn't that yeah. kid, you know, so. Uh -huh. but, uh, and do you think, you know, like one of the one of the questions that kind of always is in my mind is the chicken or the egg, and particularly when it comes to rallying. And I mean, you mentioned like, particularly in business like if, if, you're, if you're talking to people that don't necessarily understand rally and they cannot get their head around why anybody would want to hurt themselves down the road at that speed um but do you think 
you know, rally and molded you into being this person? Or do you think you were always that person and you knew it and everything maybe felt boring until you were on that stage, saw Ari Batman's car and had that fire lit and you were like, do you know what, this is in me and I'm not going to stop until I get there. I, I think when it comes to business, um, I think it's either in you or not. Mm -hmm. I think you can, as a professional, you can be a really good accountant, you can be a really good engineer, you can be a uh, really good uh, financer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think you can't decide to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. There isn't a college for entrepreneurs. Um, there's a college for professionals and there's uh, all those uh, areas for um, further education, et cetera. But I think entrepreneurship is something that's in you. Yeah. You know, it's when I was uh, driving past Joe Kelly's garage as a kid, I used to count all the cars. And I was wondering how many cars he was selling all the time, you know, and that was what, you know, and when my dad would buy a building site or whatever, you know, I'd be trying to work out if you bought a site, how much money would you make in that? And it was very, very humble back then, you know, but I had that. Always thinking ahead. Uh, that question. Okay. And, it was mm -hmm. kind of, uh, and I don't know, I'm very different to my, my siblings in that regard, you know, so. I think that's um, something that's either in you or not. And then some people are very fortunate that they can uh, achieve some success. Just because you're an entrepreneur doesn't mean you're going to be successful. And you also need a bit of luck in life, you know, yeah. and you have to have um, that lucky break here and there. Uh, some people can be very unlucky and just never get the break, you know, so yeah. and that happens as well, you know. So. Um, but then from the rallying uh, sense, you know, do I think um, that's the entrepreneurship and everything shaped that? I don't know so much, you know, I think that there was just that fire that um, was lit um, that just, it's there, you know, and it's, some people, it's football and some for others, it might be fishing or whatever it would be, but that there, uh, desire got uh, ignited um, within me that is still there, you know, and mm -hmm. and I also, I was very weird as a kid. I thought, you know, well, if you're a real diehard rally fan, you wouldn't like football or anything else, you know. That, <laughs> yeah, you, know only, you only could do uh, one or the other, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I took a huge interest in GAA uh, later on, um, you know, and get a good buzz out of obviously following that, but um, yeah, when I was growing up, I thought, no, well, if you're rallying, that's what you're doing, and yeah. you're doing nothing else. So, but I think that's what's fascinating, you know, when kind of all the conversations I've had over the years with rallying and stuff, um, being kind of in the background or at the forefront. What you've just said has kind of hit the nail on the head, Donna, because there is this, there's this sort of tunnel visioned um, focus that is with rally and the kind of, and I mean, it, it can be anywhere else, but but you could sit down most of the time, say, and, and somebody could know so much about GAA, but also about soccer. Whereas with most rallying people, it'll just be rallying. They'll have nothing yeah, else, yeah, and that's yeah. it. Um, that there's just this single-minded focus um, that is incredible. Yeah, I remember seeing Austin McHale uh, walking into Crow Park one day and I was so shocked. Um, you know, and as I got to know Austin uh, over the years, he's a huge male fan, you know, yeah. and uh, 
I think, you know, I thought he'd only ever be sniffing petrol. He would never be uh, uh, sitting watching uh, a game of football, you know. So, exactly. but, uh, yeah, it is. It's a kind of a, a uniqueness uh, with rally people, you know, that uh -huh. uh, we are fairly single minded. Yeah. And can you tell us what your most important moment in life to date is? Or do you have one? Are there many? I, I don't know. It's. Um, I can't. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure. I think there. There's so many uh, events and um, moments that have been, uh, I suppose, special for all different reasons. You know, mm -hmm. so um, hard to say. I kind of. Uh, I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy life. I think life is for living. Uh, you know we're, in, we're over at the tt races and there's lots of people can't understand the tt uh, and i find it the most invigorating uh, event to watch uh, that you know these riders who are way way more extreme than, than uh, the rallying uh, world god they are just living they are living every second uh, that they're on those bikes and they're so free and they are so, I don't know, I don't know how you describe it, but I get such a buzz out of watching uh, that community and just go, yeah. man, it's just, that's what it's like to be alive. That's what it's like to live your life to the full. Uh -huh. You know, and if you check out, you check out, you know, yeah. and they, um, they have a different, uh, I'd say, capacity. Um, than the rest of us because they just live it they just grab it and live it and i just think it's so wonderful you know i yeah, just yeah. come away from that thinking man that's the way it is yeah. you know and like that ability to just just simply be so present in the moment and as you say when you're present you are truly living your life yeah yeah so it's um yeah and here look i've uh, for me i've um i have a lot to do i, I have a lot to do um you know, I probably wouldn't like to continue to be working as hard as I do. Uh, I'd like to get on to other things. Um, I'd love to get involved in more community type uh, projects um, that uh, where I feel that I could make some contribution to um, making uh, certain things happen within our community um, that would be uh, good for the future. You know, uh, I think that our county needs uh, a bit of um, a bit of a rev in terms of really uh, selling uh, what we have here in, in the northwest. Uh, we've done a lot. A lot has been achieved, and I know there was a consultation for the last few days about this greenway through uh, Barnesmore Gap. Um, I really hope it happens. It's something that uh, I have a huge uh, passion for. I think if we achieve our greenway from Burton Port to Letterkenny. Uh, it's another uh, wonderful uh, asset, you know, and I think we need to invest more in our county and uh, create uh, more and more uh, employment in the county. Um, we have a we have a large design centre in Letterkenny, uh, and it's probably one of our most successful uh, units. Uh, mm -hmm. We've got great staff. Um, our churn rates are probably the lowest that we have in the country. Um, something that we're we're wanting to grow we actually have a delegation there from germany on um 
on Monday and Tuesday uh, next week because they want to use the service there. Um, so things like that really, really give me a buzz. Um, mm-hmm. The rewards from um, seeing that um, kind of employment creation and value and um, you see uh, the, the staff, uh, particularly in Kenny, um they have real pride in what they're achieving, you know, and it's the reward from that there. Like financial rewards are fine, um, and we all need money, and of course more money is nice to have. But when you get rewards like that, you, yeah. you can't pay for them, you know. There, there's no, there's no price tag you can put on that, you know. And for me, that's what probably gives me the buzz yeah. is watching uh, yeah. things like that. Not alone in. Uh, our own county, but the, you know, throughout the entire business, you know what mm-hmm. what we're achieving. Sometimes it's um, it's what gives you the uh, the will to get up uh, tomorrow morning and do it all again. You know? Keep going, yeah. I mean, from listening to you um, and having the privilege to talk to you over the last while, Donna, it definitely sounds like to me anyway that you know you have worked so hard and you've gotten yourself to a level where you've achieved a lot. Um, but it seems to be so important to you to give back as much as you possibly can. And to, as you say as well, um, collect the stories and the moments and whether it's Stables Museum or whether it's, you know, bringing the county back um, to kind of its full glory with these different greenways and stuff. It's about making sure that we, we leave it better than we got it. Yeah, look, uh, for, for me, um what I would generally uh, say um, to most people and is certainly to, to my kids in that, you know, if you want something out of life, you've got to put a whole lot into it, you know, and if you want the true rewards, um, you've got to give, you know, and one of the greatest things you can give to when you're, uh, when you've walked a bit of road uh, is knowledge, you know, yeah. um, I do quite a bit of uh, mentoring and, do a lot of uh, stuff with uh, different businesses that come looking for advice and that, uh, and it's all, uh, it's, I do it, no financial reward, I, mm-hmm. that's not why I do it. Um, you know, but you get more out of that yourself personally than they're getting, you know, so and I, I enjoy things like that and um, making time is, is the problem. It's, we're always too busy and you really yeah. do sometimes have to just say, you got to take the time out to do a couple of things that um, may not um, be top priority, but they're somebody else's top priority. So, you know, uh, I think, you know, lesson is uh, if you want to feel good about yourself, do something good for somebody else. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the most basic things, I think. And the earlier you can learn that, the the better your life will be. Um, And just on that point, do you have a motto and like, do you have a favorite saying that sort of gets you through or keeps you focused? No, but uh, I would have, um, I'd have some uh, kind of uh, principles in that, that's, you know, what I've always kind of uh, stuck to always uh, have a thing that if you don't have a destination, if you don't have a goal, if you don't have an end point, um, well, you're never getting there. Like yes. if you don't know where you're going, you're never getting there. Yeah. Uh, and some people, you know, want to be the most efficient, the most organized, the most streamlined, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh-huh. And if you're all those things and you don't have a destination, well, you're still not getting there. Yeah. You may not be the most organized. 
you may not be streamlined and you may be a little bit chaotic mm -hmm. but if you have a destination in your own way you will get there if yes. you keep keep at it you know so you don't have to be the smartest person in the room uh, to get there you just need to know where you're going you know yeah. and uh, so for me that there is one of the things that you know when you start any project when you start you've got to let everybody in the room know yeah what you're trying to achieve what does the picture look like you know what's you know and get people to play back to you you know what they're what picture are they seeing yeah and if they're all seeing different pictures well you're just not going not to end right. up uh, and i like to use an analogy sometimes i would say that we used to say to the team at times will we go for a drink tonight I'd say, let's meet in Letter Kenny. We'll meet at seven o'clock and see is there any questions? And most people won't ask the question. And somebody will say, Where in Letter Kenny are we meeting? And I'm saying, Now you've got it. Yeah. Because you need a destination, or else yeah. we'll all be running around no Letter Kenny for hours <laughs> trying to find each other. Yeah. You know, when it's just that basic, you know, have a destination, mm -hmm. know where you're going. And your destination can change as your life changes, your priorities yes. change things move around you, you can't have a fixed goal uh, and never achieve it because other things change you know mm -hmm. but uh, have a focus point have something that you, you're working towards um and if you are passionate and are driven you'll generally achieve what you want to achieve yeah. um so Agreed. that's probably the main one yeah well that's a good one to be fair i mean Donna, thanks so much for, for being here today. Like just chatting with you has been the most, uh, it's just been an incredible um, experience and very illuminating. Like, and you can see that I'm, you know, I can definitely see so many things in you that, you know, um, make you quite different to the average person. And whether that meant your business soaring or it meant, um, you know, the unbelievable, um, sort of focus and dedication that it takes to go rally and, and to achieve the things that you have or even you know like with the with the museum like to have that sort of that looking at everything um every detail and fine-tuning everything you know and staying focused until it is a very particular way and again i can see how you're talking about the destination i'm sure you saw exactly what all of this was supposed to look like and you didn't stop until you got there like and i think um it's so interesting but also so important for for people to know and see and hear um the different aspects of a human being that that make them able um to achieve some of the things that you have achieved and that other greats have achieved but but certainly you you know um so from that point of view i'm, I'm just so grateful for you sitting down and chatting to us today and actually letting um letting us in and helping us understand the, the workings of your mind a wee bit more. Yeah, well, here it's uh, it's been a pleasure. I, I suppose just to uh, closing out, you know, as much as uh, when you play back that, um, I don't know if I'll be able to get out of the, the room here now at the size of my head, uh, but uh, I don't, um, probably don't see it uh, maybe just uh, as quite as remarkable as that, you know, and I think, there's none of us uh, that don't have our flaws, and I certainly mm -hmm. have plenty too. I'm not this rounded, perfect uh, individual, uh -huh. uh, but I like to think that uh, I'm doing more good uh, in life than uh, yeah. the opposite, you know? So 
I think for for anybody, we all have our own way of getting to our destination. Uh, and yeah, some of us will run, some will cycle, some will take a bus, yeah. some will take a plane or helicopter. You know, once we know where we're going, we'll get there. You know, yeah. so um, don't be uh, under an illusion that I'm something that's uh, a blueprint for perfection. Far from it. No, but it's like everything, isn't it? I think um, one of the things that definitely strikes me about you is that you're constantly um, striving, you know, to do more, to do better, to learn more, to keep learning, to keep doing. Um, and I think if, you know, if I've learned anything today anyway, it's one of those things where that's a brilliant nugget to have with you, you know, to have the goal in mind and to see the destination, but also to know that you will be learning the whole way. And Some people, you know, get frustrated with progress at times. And I'd always say, look at where you came from. Mm-hmm. You know, have yeah. you have you moved at all? You know, yeah. you feel you mightn't have, but when you actually look at where you came from, yeah. you know, and sometimes when we push hard, we push hard, we may not make that much progress, then it happens. Then it happens. But yeah. you just have to keep at it. And then it's, yeah and in all of those moments that the head was dropping and you thought like i can't do this anymore you know i just can't keep going there needs to be a different way like what you'll find is that um (laughs) as you say out of nowhere whether it be 10 years or five years or whatever out of nowhere you will all of a sudden have that beautiful moment where you think ah this is it this is this what all that focus was for um and then you'll forget about it and you'll move on to the next thing (laughs) the next goal will be in your mind um donna thank you so much this has been a pleasure and i'm sure um people are going to be so delighted to hear uh to hear this part of you and and this side of your life um so thank you so much for for letting us in you're welcome thank you god bless this is the irish rally podcast brought to you in association with tech and tools your dedicated tools provider focusing on diagnostic test equipment and specialized tools visit techandtools.ie for more information and svs productions Thank <laughs> you.